Hey, hey, this is Danielle Grouchek, founder of Canine Inspired Change. Welcome to the Canine Inspired Podcast, where we explore the connection between humans and dogs and give you tools to strengthen your bond with your dog and with your community so you can get out there and do good with your dog. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to part two with Rachel Schroman of Schroman Law Firm. Not firm, practice? Just Schroman Law. Just Schroman Law, mm-hmm. everybody. Simple. Okay, simple. <laughs> Owner of Schroman Law. So we left off last week um, talking about her, you know, you found, you had just found out that your, who you thought was your father, mm-hmm. your whole life was not your father, yep. your biological father. Yeah. And then... Um, So let's just get back into that. What kind of, where are you with all that now? And like, are your, do you find your animals supporting you through that? And I think for me too, just the underlying with, with anything that goes on is like, you just, your animals just are always supporting you. So just wondering if there's any mindfulness practices around that with them. um, And then kind of how you got okay with all that. Yeah. So I'll, I'll lay a little background. Mm -hmm. Um, as to how this all transpired. Mm-hmm. So my uh, dad, who raised me, passed away from early onset Alzheimer's in um, 2019, October 2019. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my dogs, Murray, came into my life in December of 2019. Mm-hmm. I learned that my dad, who passed, was not my biological father in February. Mm. So, you know, this... I share that because the timing mm-hmm. was very in- intentional, I believe, or divine. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you kind of ask, like, where am I with this now? How mm-hmm. do the dogs support? Mm-hmm. I'll just kind of speak to all those points. So I learned this um, information. I had taken a 23andMe DNA test um, when my dad was dying from early onset Alzheimer's because a friend of mine had taken it and she said, Oh, you know, they test for early onset Alzheimer's. Mm. I don't know how, you know, legit that test is, but I thought, well, I'm going to take it. I want to know if I'm going to be 67 and dying, Mm -hmm. um, took the test, didn't have early onset Alzheimer's, didn't really recognize any of the names that came up, but didn't (laughs) think anything of it. Yeah. And so, and there's no secrets anymore with 23andMe. Oh, dear. So I God, hate to break no. it to you, like back in yeah. the old days where you could just say like your grandma was your mom or something. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, there's, um, <laughs> it's actually quite fascinating. There's a bunch of Facebook support groups. Really? DNA surprise huh. support groups. Yeah. Um, that I, you know, now have discovered or yeah. been a part of. Um, but I took this test like, gosh, eight months before my dad died. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until... You know, a while after he died, this woman reached out and she said, hey, we just my kids doing some family stuff at school. We did the DNA test and you showed up as a first cousin. Uh, Where are you from? And kind of started asking questions. So we're going back and forth. And I thought, oh, I must have an aunt or uncle I don't Mm -hmm. know about. And I mentioned it to my mother kind of offhandedly, you know, like, oh, isn't this crazy? Mm -hmm. And then she called me the next day and was like, well, before you um, find this out somewhere else, oh, you know, here's... Wow. Here's, First of all, good for you, Mom, that you stepped oh God, up. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, um, you know, the bottom line is, like, we all do life the best we can. Yeah. We all have our own stuff, our experiences, our hardships, who makes the best decisions we can. Mm-hmm. And I give myself that grace, and I extend it to my parents. Yeah, that's that's sweet. So I found this out, and 
it was, I was very fortunate that I had been in recovery as long as I had. Like yeah. my therapist opened her office an hour early the next mm. morning. I called my sponsor. You had all your people to reach out to. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so I just That's like important. safety fell back into the support community. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there were it like the information and the knowledge still kind of messes with you on like a physical cellular level. Mm. Cause there were days I would just stare in the mirror. Yeah. I wouldn't feel like I was looking at myself. Oh yeah. Sure. And I would just think you need to just kill yourself. You need to just kill oh, yourself. Huh. And I could acknowledge those thoughts and like let them pass mm-hmm. and just be like, wow, this has really rocked your sense of identity. Yeah. Keep doing what you need to do to heal through it. But there were a few days where, um, I'd be laying in bed and crying and upset and then Murray'd come in and I'd be like, well, I can't do that to Murray. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I was when I first got yeah. sober. With and my I, dogs. and I remember yep. you telling yeah. me that. And, and honestly, I thought of that in those moments. Oh, totally. God, I love all this. Yeah. Like connection. Mm-hmm. And you just never know how you're affecting other people. No, uh-huh. no. Or what? And you always are. Yes. Yes. And they, you. Yeah, and the little things, you know, it's a big reason I'm so transparent is other people's transparency and honesty and vulnerability with me yeah. has come in pretty clutch at moments I've needed it right. years later. Yes, and you know when you're hearing it. Mm-hmm. And you also know when you're hearing a, a little bit of a rehearsed song and dance or a story. Totally. You know? Yes, mm-hmm. yes. So, Which, by the way, mm-hmm. I have compassion for those people, too, because they just haven't yeah. gotten deep enough, whatever. Totally, totally. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we got this information. It totally just, like, blew everything up. Every, you know, shook all the dust up in the air. But I'll tell you about a month or two later, after the dust settled, it was as if a blindfold blindfold mm. had been removed mm. and as if I reentered my body. Mm. So it was really it gave a new level of meaning to something I always, I already knew and have come to believe that as humans, we are crazy intuitive Mm, uh Sure. and having always felt like something was a little off. Mm -hmm. I had been doing all of this trauma therapy and trying to heal Mm -hmm. over things that had happened in the past and just spinning my wheels. Mm -hmm. But this little piece of information healed about 90% of it. Mm. There were, um, certain aspects of my relationship with my dad that raised, raised me or things he would say mm-hmm. when he, you know, he was an alcoholic and there were some times that he said things when he was um, drunk yep. that I couldn't heal from. And then when I knew the full story, sure. they don't even yeah, you're mean like, anything oh, anymore. Yes. yes. I have compassion for this person now yes. because your relationship to this mm-hmm. information has changed. Yeah. 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 You said something earlier that I want to touch on. Yeah. Um, about looking in the mirror, thinking I should kill myself, but mm-hmm. then being aware of yeah. that thought. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm doing a lot of work r- right now with being aware of thoughts. Mm-hmm. So if you can be aware of your thoughts, that means that there is the th- there are the thoughts and then there is the awareness of the thoughts. Yep. So that to me is empirical data mm-hmm. that means... I'm not my thoughts. Correct. As much as I'm not my blood, as much as I'm not my heart that, you know, whatever, um, they're all a part of me. But there is something that is there that is like full awareness. Yes. That is the unifying factor Mm -hmm. of 
kind of a human or just, mm-hmm. kind of, you know, just kind of in the experience of being alive. Mm-hmm. And if you put then your focus on that during meditative t- mm-hmm. times, you are weakening your relationship to like stories and thoughts yep. and ego. As yes, your thoughts are not the truth. They're yeah. just thoughts. Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of them that are just yeah. unimportant. Uh-huh. <laughs> like this is just unimportant. Yes. And that can just, like you said, it can just go pa- it can go by. So that's, it's very, um, that's very interesting to me because the first time I ever heard you don't have to believe everything you think was in a 12 step meeting. And yeah, I was like 40. Totally. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what? You mm-hmm. don't like, I didn't know that. I, I didn't grow up in a family that was even aware of these things like they can only they did the best they could yeah right they they hadn't been taught these things so that really blew me away the first time I heard that and then so I went for a long time in sobriety like understanding it but still not understanding it and Mm -hmm. you know taking baby steps towards the next step and the next step um and so um like I said in part one of this interview where I'm at now with the changing the relationship to the thoughts, that Mm -hmm. is the only thing that has given me uh, relief from the negative mind looping. Totally. And it is a marked difference. Yeah. Um, It doesn't mean that I don't have uh, grief or anxiety or fear. The anxiety is really lessened. Um, Just fears or or I don't feel sadness, but... Mm -hmm. It's the relationship to those things have changed. And so then there doesn't have to be this full blown suffering mm-hmm. story. Yes. Okay. Yes. And a lot of the recovery work I had done leading up to that. And, you know, I struggle with meditation, but at least I'd practiced it. And so some I think, of- okay, <laughs> I think everybody struggles <laughs> yeah. with meditation because yes. the whole point is to like go behind the mind. There's something yeah, yeah. beyond the mind. So how can you get beyond the mind if you can't know it with the mind? Yeah. Because if you can know it with the mind or see it with the eyes, it's not it. Right, right. So good luck. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not, yes. it's, it's hard. Okay. Yeah. And mm. so, you know, having that groundwork <laughs> helped. You need a teacher. Yes. Yeah. But having that groundwork helped in those moments and like allowing those thoughts to pass and also living in a time and also a community. I come from a small town in Iowa, so the Twin Cities, a community that is very accepting and mm-hmm. kind of reduces the stigma of mental health. Yeah, um, yeah. I sit on the board for Guild, which is a local mental health organization. Oh, okay. And so going through that experience, I intellectually knew how fragile mental health can be mm-hmm. and then I physically experienced it mm-hmm. and it it was uh it was alarming your brain can do some scary stuff yep in times of trauma and stress mm-hmm. and grief but if you can recognize it as just that and have your support system um and I you know it probably wasn't 10 minutes before I was saying out loud to another human being I'm having these thoughts mm-hmm I need help. Which is important. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, that that was very, very key mm-hmm. to get to get through that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think at one point, um, nothing about the past year has been easy. For everybody. <laughs> Every yes. single person I talk oh, to is sure. like, what? Yeah. Like 2020, are you kidding me? Yes. But, you know, walking through it at one point, you know, my mom had said, I almost wish I wouldn't have told you. And I have nothing but gratitude that I know. Yeah. Because 
you know, I have a sister yeah. now that I didn't know about and I'll be visiting her in Portland in a couple months. And that relationship has just been beautiful. Aww. My relationship with my little brother was largely healed mm -hmm. just these amazing truth. things have happened yes mm -hmm. through the you're truth coming to light yeah you're as sick as your secrets right yeah but that's one of those things where for a month i was in the thick of it it sucked it was painful mm -hmm. it hurt mm -hmm. but i could take that step back and go oh i can't wait to see what's on the other side yeah. and i could not have imagined right the good things the amazing things that yeah. came out of it well because historically when you go through hard things, as you do when you start getting sober, mm -hmm. you then just start to know, oh, okay, here's a pattern. This is really hard. Yep. Um, and then on the other side of it, I'm going to feel better yes. if I can just like stay through it, stay sober and just try to do the best I can. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then... So you start to get some more, some, yeah. some faith there and totally. but they start to get subtler and subtler, at least yeah. for me. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then, you know. Um, you just, just do what you can, man. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I go through bouts where like I come away from every conversation feeling like the biggest idiot. Like mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> what? I was just talking about myself the whole time. Yeah. Danielle, what are you doing? You know better than this. Like, and then, so I, I, I seem to have little bouts of that in, in mm. different places in sobriety and then there's some conversations sometimes it doesn't it's not dependent upon really the person um it's a, dependent upon my state of mind um and then sometimes there's bouts of like everything feels kind of easy and graceful um well, so and i would <laughs> welcome to the human experience yeah yeah right, right yeah 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 exactly yeah so okay great so let's segue mm -hmm. into what made you decide to um, undertake the study of of becoming a death doula and what is mm -hmm. what is that about what does it look like and then selfishly can it transfer over to an elderly pet like some of the techniques yeah. and things that you've learned yeah so I've all since the age of 14 when I started volunteering in nursing homes I've always been drawn to serving in the death and dying space mm -hmm. um, even though I had this huge fear of it mm -hmm. and maybe that's my life lesson right mm -hmm. <laughs> super scared of death but want to be around it all the time mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and so doing elder law and estate planning um, I find myself working with and, and volunteering at doing therapy mm -hmm. um, dog work around more elders around hospice providers um, nursing homes, going and doing talks to silver sneakers groups at the Y, you Cute. know, that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, and stretching myself to become more comfortable with, with death. Uh, I volunteer doing um, pro bono estate planning for terminal cancer patients. So I have to sit and hold space for clients who come in that mm. were just told they're going to die. <laughs> in months wow and yeah and the first time i had this meeting you know i'm googling like what do you say to someone who just had a terminal diagnosis yeah. because there's that, that we all ignore it again. yeah i know yeah. <laughs> must research appropriate yeah. things to say <laughs> yeah. um and so i wanted to better serve those clients so anyway gone into this um what do you say 
Can you think of any things um, that came up? So in your- what? What one thing I I have learned is don't not talk about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll ask them like, how are you feeling with your treatments? Mm-hmm. Um, did they give you a timeline with your diagnosis? Mm-hmm. Do you have a support system? Mm-hmm. I refer, I recommend that people hire a death doula, um, mm-hmm. you know, if it comes up and they seem open to it. And so just like having that conversation and I've had some uh, clients and of course you feel it out. Mm-hmm. I've asked some people and it's like, okay, we're not going to talk about that. Yeah. And that's fine. Um, but wading into that, becoming more comfortable uh, and then having, I shouldn't say having, no, having the opportunity to walk with my dad through his passing Mm -hmm. um I had a dynamic relationship with my father throughout my life and in the later years we experienced a lot of healing together Mm -hmm. and when we passed we when he we when he passed his family was with him Mm -hmm. and it was hard Mm -hmm. but it was one of the most spiritual and beautiful experiences I've had. Mm -hmm. I felt completely present in the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, I wasn't thinking about myself. Mm -hmm. I was there with him. That's a relief. I was there with him. I wanted Mm -hmm. to experience that. And after he passed, um, I sat with his body for about an hour with my hands under him. He was warm and I could feel the energy in his body. Mm -hmm. And it was just cathartic i felt so at peace mm-hmm. if you would have told me this five years ago i would have said there's no way yeah so okay do you have a belief system around what happens after we die because nobody knows yeah. i mean let's let's fight wars over this but honestly people nobody knows yeah 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 so i i have a belief that we have um multiple lives Mm-hmm. And I believe in like soul lives. Mm-hmm. So our so we have one soul mm-hmm. that's going through multiple lifetimes, mm-hmm. and the soul is aging through lessons it learns. It's very yogic karma, the wheel yeah. of karma. Yes, mm-hmm. and so like my dad and I being connected the way we were, even though he wasn't my biological father, mm-hmm. um, you know, we got sober around the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. And neither one of us knew it about the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I didn't inherit alcoholism genetically from him, but our sober story is still intertwined. Mm-hmm. Um, when, so there, I think there's just, uh, when I was born, I wasn't his biological daughter, mm-hmm. but, um, my mom had had a stillborn baby two years before me that led him to a place of never wanting children again, because mm-hmm. it was so yeah hard mm-hmm. and he experienced a lot of healing having a daughter. Yeah. Yeah. So Okay, so what does a death doula do? A death doula holds space. Okay. And a death doula... What does hold space mean? Um, that seems kind of airy for it is airy. to understand. Yeah. So I would say if I'm... So as an end-of-life doula, if I were sitting with someone who's going to die, I am not telling them how they should feel. I'm not telling them what to do. If they are upset and crying, I'm not saying, well you know, at least this, at least Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. if they want to be angry, I'm sitting with, I'm sitting Mm -hmm. there with them while they're being angry. Are you helping the loved ones as well? You do. Uh Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people are more familiar with birth doulas. Yeah. So birth doulas, their role is to, they're there with the woman giving birth to support and ease them through that transition yeah. of bringing a new life. Okay. If I'm with someone with, who's passing, mm-hmm. it is my job to be, or my duty, 
my honor Mm -hmm. to be with them, to support them through the transition to their, Mm -hmm. to the next life. So does, I'm just curious about like the, the actual like scheduling of it all. So if somebody were to hire you to be a death doula to their loved one Mm -hmm. or for themselves, if they had the, you know, the mental faculties to do so, are you like on a on call basis? Cause you know, nobody really knows. So I will preface this by saying I'm not the best person to answer this question. Mm -hmm. So I only volunteer. Okay. Um, with the hospice organization. Um, this isn't something I'm doing as a business. Mm -hmm. Um, but it is my understanding that for some people, yes, on call basis, mm-hmm. some end of life doulas, they'll have multiple doulas like in a practice mm-hmm. so they can kind of cycle um, with, say, someone's passing. You know, my dad spent four or five days actively dying. Mm-hmm. If there was a death doula and the family wanted to go shower, mm-hmm. the end of life doula is there. Mm-hmm to sit vigil mm-hmm. with the person who's dying. Yep. Um, you just really need somebody there. You're just there with yeah. that person to provide comfort and yes. ease. Okay. So I have an experience where I was with somebody who, mm-hmm. um, passed away like within a day that we were with mm-hmm. him. He, um, was my husband's, one of his best friends. Um, and then he became one of my best friends mm-hmm. and he um, had a cancer diagnosis at a young age. So died in his forties mm-hmm. and he was in hospice at his parents, at his dad's house. And um, Mark and I would go visit him and bring our dogs. He loved yeah. our dogs. Always yeah. loved our dogs. Um, and we were sitting with him one day and I just knew him really well. Yeah. So I just like asked him, can I ask you some questions and he's like sure and I said like how do you like how are you feeling about everything I like do you know you're gonna die do you think you're going to die and he's like oh yeah I wish I could go now Mm. and I was like okay um so how does that all work are there beings around you he's like oh yeah Mm -hmm. they're here I was like okay and this is not a spiritual person he ended up getting sober in the last two years of his life um but so then I said, okay, so like, how does that work? He's like, well, you can't just go when you want to. I'm in line. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay. He's like, and when it's time, it'll, it'll be my time, but I'm really ready. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, so yeah, so that was his experience with all that. And we just were end, ended up just hanging out with him. And um, I asked him when he passed on, would he like, let me know somehow? Um and he's like, yeah, if I can, I will. Um, and like at that point in time, he it wasn't even like, oh, do you believe in an afterlife? It was like, oh, no, this is just facts. Yeah. There's people that are waiting to help me. I can't like I'm waiting for my turn and it's coming soon. Yes. Um, and so I had a dream um, that uh, the night after he passed that he I was just like walking around a corner and. And I was sad about him passing. And mm-hmm. I was looked, I was like, oh, there he is. And he looked so vibrant and good because he was emaciated when yeah. he passed. Yeah. And he just looked vibrant and good. And he's just smiling at me. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, how are you? And I kept having this dream because my interpretation was he doesn't know he's dead. Like, he's stuck. Mm-hmm. That was my interpretation. Mm-hmm. Then I asked somebody else kind of who is in this kind of realm of spiritual um mm-hmm. kind of passing and she's like no 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 he's t- showing you 
in your dream with like his body being super well and him mm-hmm. being very happy he's he's doing what you asked of him this is his mm-hmm. way of doing it and i'm like oh of course he is and then i never had the dream again so that was my experience with it it was very real and and profound yeah yeah and what you're kind of talking about like from my perspective that's very like end of life doula world right so you're if if i had terminal cancer mm-hmm. I would not expect my doctor to be like, what are you experiencing? Are Mm -hmm. there spirits around you? Mm -hmm. You know, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. An end of life doula like goes there. Mm -hmm. You'll have conversations with um, your client or patient about uh, what are, you know, when we did our training, Mm -hmm. we paired up and we led these conversations about like if there were any regrets or any, um, final things to do before we passed. Mm-hmm. And honest to God, I worked through some stuff. I did one of mine that weekend. Yeah, really? Yep. What was it? Do you want to talk about it? Yeah, sure. Um, well, so, she, you know, I had to pretend I was going to die like mm-hmm. soon. And they said, is there anything that you feel you need to do before you go? And I had not told my stepmom um, the information about my dad. Mm-hmm. And I had known for coming up on 10 months. Mm-hmm. And I was scared to have the conversation. You know, there are all these... Um, just irrational fears around it. Mm-hmm. And so we talked through it and I set up a zoom call and I told my stepmom that weekend mm. because I was kind of like, what a good practice. Like you don't have to be dying to do this. Yeah. 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 Um, and you know, an example in the training that they gave was doctors don't always tell you specific things about what's going to happen when you die Oh, sure. because they're trying to like, blunt it for you uh you know be very gentle Mm -hmm. and not freak you out but for a lot of people that's where the fear comes in you don't know what to expect yeah so i'll give a an example here with my um gosh there's so much around this so when my dad died he um we had these little sponges to like wet his mouth Mm -hmm. and i was alone in the room with them and i was like well i guess i'll use the sponge like Mm -hmm. i don't know and a piece got on his tongue and I went to pull it off and his tongue was as hard as a rock and Ooh. it really like scared me. Yeah. And I asked nurse it. Like I asked probably 15 people like, why was his tongue hard? And I couldn't get a straight answer. Uh-huh. I asked on the end of life doula training and they were like, Oh, and they just told me, mm-hmm. I was like, thank you. Why is I it? just wanted to know. Um, the body starts to shut down yeah. your tongue's an organ. It dries out. Yeah. And then, you know, tearfully I was like, should I have been wetting his mouth more? Yeah. And they were like, no, yeah. That's what happens. Right. Right. And then yeah, that is good. This is interesting. So we learned about the dying process. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ask me, you know, before this training, what's the dying process? Well, your organs shut down, you get a death rattle, mm-hmm. you know, and then this, 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 like you're explaining the death and dying process hours leading up to it. Mm-hmm. So this about a month or six weeks before my dad died, I was going on uh, out of the country and I just had this feeling that I needed to go to Iowa. Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, when he passed, people were like, we were, most people were shocked. It was very sudden mm-hmm. and he never, his Alzheimer's was not that advanced mm-hmm. either. Um, I just had this gut feeling. I was like, I need to get to Dubuque. I need to get to Dubuque. And my husband was like, you know what? If you're just anxious, like go. And mm-hmm. I said, I, I just think something's going to happen. I think he's dying. And my, you know, most people around me were kind of like, okay, like that's not real. Mm-hmm. You're just kind of freaking out, whatever. So when we learned about the de- death and dying process in this end of life doula class, they start months before. 
And some of the, Mm -hmm. when I went to visit my dad, one thing that was going on was he kept telling my stepmom, I want to go home. I want to go home. And so she'd drive him out to where he used to live with my mom. No. Drive him out to the home he grew up in. No. Drive him out to the house they just moved from. No. And she's like, what do you think he means by Mm -hmm. going home? Um, He would talk about how he wanted to be remembered. Mm. Those are things that people start to do Mm -hmm. months before they pass. Mm -hmm. And so I had this intuitive feeling that he was dying. When I went to visit him, he kept saying, I want to go home. Mm -hmm. I'm ready to go home. I had no idea, by the way, at that time, that's what was going on. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, I'm sitting in this end of life doula training, learning it, connecting the dots Mm -hmm. and every hair standing on end. Yeah. And so those are the types of things that, you know, I could get on a high horse about, like, why don't they teach us this in junior high? Yeah, sure. You know, right. but um, so how can we can this be transferred over to dogs a dying or a dying loved animal? Because that's that's hard on people. I believe so. Um, with the end of life doula training, it's really about and when I was with my dad, what I experienced was this conscious effort to step outside of myself and just support him through that transition yeah, and not want things to be different yes yes Mm -hmm. and there were you know when he was actively dying this didn't happen so much but there were time periods when he had alzheimer's where i'd be with him and i'd have to step out because then i was just focusing on how much I was hurting. Yeah. And when I was with him, when he died, there were some things that happened, some things I had to witness that I just sobbed about later because they were so painful to me. Mm-hmm. But in the moment I checked it, you know, mm-hmm. I can also disassociate very effectively yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. in hard times. So in that club too. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with pets, have you, <laughs> do you watch dog movies? I honestly cannot. I am inconsolable. I literally, my first, okay, my mom took me to see a movie, Mm -hmm. the movie Bambi. Okay. Mm. Like, this is one of my first traumatic memories, Mm -hmm. truly. Okay. I was a young, I was like, first of all, I think I was like three or four. Like, she can't believe I remember this. I'm like, that's because it was traumatic. Mm -hmm. Um, That's why I remember it. But we went to the movie theater. It was like the biggest grandest like oh my gosh i'm in a movie theater and it was just like a dumpy one in like down yeah, in yeah. st paul or something that's where i grew <laughs> up <laughs> and but it was like so transformative to me and i was mesmerized and that's you know it's something else i do as a human i'm just easily put myself in the situation like i'm in that movie mm-hmm. i'm in the book i'm in you know so i'm in the movie and it's just like there's this bunny and the deer and then all of a sudden it gets shot Right. That's how Bambi starts. Yeah. And I, she thought I was somehow had something physically wrong with me the way I screamed and couldn't stop screaming. Mm. Like constant prolonged screaming to the point where she had to take me out sobbing, screaming for a long time. Never could go back in the movie theater. And like, you know, she didn't have a ton of tools at that point in time to deal with a child having a mental like break. And I, yeah, so, so like, so since then, like I'll never forget it. Um, and so since, yeah, I just can't do animal movies. I literally can't. I was, I remember reading, um, the horse whisperer on a plane. Yeah. Sobbing. (laughs) Like the stranger next to me is like, stop reading. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
I'm like, I, I, it's, but like, I can watch, you know, humans get, you know, yeah, for sure, all day long. I know what you mean. It doesn't bother me. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say, you know, with animals, and this is all easier said than done, right? But a hope I would have for myself is, of course, I'll start crying through this, but also like, so I can watch animal movies mm. and there's this movie called a dog's purpose Mm-mm. and I'm already crying. I know. <laughs> and it's this, you follow this dog through multiple dog lives. Mm. And then like he finds his, he, in the beginning, the dog, his owner's a little boy. And then at the end of the movie, the same dog is with his owner as an adult. Oh. And, a, and Kurt and I are like holding our dog sobbing, but yeah. it's beautiful tears, tears mm-hmm. of gratitude, gra- mm-hmm. tears of like just how, magical and amazing those relationships are with our pets and so i'm not kidding that i'm choked up right now I know. just by that description oh, so like honestly i'd yeah. be a basket case yes it's it's an i wonder if movie. i should force myself to you know watch what it. maybe not but maybe <laughs> <laughs> thank you maybe for seeing me this yes. room soul of me <laughs> i'm not a big fan of like exposure therapy or whatever so you know maybe at some point yeah you'll be in a space where like yeah it's sad, but it. I have I have different tears, right? I have tears of pain, grief, mm. beauty, gratitude, mm. appreciation, and sometimes those all meld. So with this dog Murray that I have now is like I've explained him as my soulmate in dog form. Mm-hmm. Like I love this dog so much, I sometimes wonder if it's unhealthy. And um, daily daily yes. musings in the mind of uh, Danielle, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I, what I would hope is that. When the time comes that Murray's passing, I can hold him in gratitude and love for the time we had together. Mm-hmm. And honor his path. And honor his path. Yeah. And also be like joyful for him that he's having this release. I mean, mm-hmm. death is the release of life. And yeah, life yeah. is painful. You know what? I just thought of a uh, quote by Ram Das, And mm. it is... Um, Death is absolutely safe. It's like mm-hmm. taking off a tight shoe. Hell yeah. Yeah. Yes. And with, you know, when our dog Howard passed, um, I was ready to get another dog. I knew, like, I love having two dogs. I mm-hmm. like having bigger dogs. Yeah, and my husband, to his defense, he was with Howard when he passed. Mm-hmm. And, like, Howard was not put down. It was very intense for yeah. him. I didn't have to experience it. And he wasn't ready. And he said, well, I feel like you're just replacing him. And I said, I have so much love to give. Mm-hmm. And I would think like Howard would want that, mm-hmm. y- you know. Mm-hmm. And if we believe, and I think you're kind of in the same boat, that like we are all this one energy, mm-hmm. that's going to keep circulating mm-hmm. through other dogs, whether, you know, mm-hmm. like I'll feel like Murray's always with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? And, and thank you. So this has been helpful. Thank you. Good. The, you know what I can do, though? Hmm. I can be with children who have been traumatized mm-hmm. in a pretty brutal way. Yeah. I can do that. That, yeah. is a, that is a gift that I have, and that's why we started Canine Inspire Change. Actually, yeah. because I wanted to do something for dogs, and I couldn't foster. Like, it was horrible. It was just like, I I just can't get myself to do it. Um. And for many reasons, a lot of them is like they they talk about the abuse cases um, and and it just would just level me for many Mm -hmm. days. Um, And then um, 
I had dogs that weren't traditional therapy dogs. And then we started to work with kids. And I'm like, oh, there's these kids are like me. Yep. A lot of them yep. have, have been through a pretty significant trauma. And um, and s- the social workers would tell me, this is a very intense case. This is what happened. I don't know if you're ready to hear something like this, but mm-hmm. this is what happened to the student or to the child. And like I can hear... Th- I can sit with that and hold that all day long because I know yes. what that's like and I yeah. know you can get past it and I know um, I know what helped me, right? That's all we yep. can, we can, yeah. we can, we, uh, that's all we have yeah. is our, what happened, the yeah. truth of it um, and how we recovered. And so then, and then I can bring dogs to those kids. So, you know, there, we all have our own gifts. So like you're now in my in my team of like, mm-hmm. I'm going to call who I know who to call in this, in this case. Yep. And I'm yeah. in a different court where people can call on me during this certain situation. Totally. So we all like stay connected in this compassionate connection. That's how I think about canine inspired totally. change, like dog training, like pro social mm-hmm. dog training for compassionate connection. Yeah. So we, all, we, we build these compassionate connections and we just don't have to do this alone. Um, and you know, we just kind of all help each other out when we need it. Totally. Totally. And I'll also say like for those of us and listeners who, you know, are in the same boat where the idea of an animal passing is so overwhelming, they can't stand to think about it and they can't watch the movies. That's actually quite frankly, normal. Mm. And it's not a shortfall hang yeah, it's not yeah, a failure yeah, yeah like yeah, if you good. weren't sad when your animal passed right that's concerning right. or if you're looping about it mm-hmm. right 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 yeah mm-hmm. yeah and so you know we all have i don't like saying strengths and weaknesses i say strengths and lesser strengths oh that's cool <laughs> i dig so, it yeah 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 so it's just you know a lesser strength that maybe there's some work we want to experience around it but you know, you've created yeah. a community not only for yourself, but for anyone who wants to access it mm-hmm. to get support in those different areas. Mm-hmm. And there's things, you know, I might be able to sit and hold space for someone while they're dying, mm-hmm. but um, there's other situations that I don't do so hot in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I know and who I can versa. call. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you do. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, this has been just amazing. Yeah. I really enjoyed this conversation. I love you. Love you too. Um, so if you want to get in touch with, uh, Rachel for any of her services, um, can you want to tell everybody? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you can email me at, uh, Rachel at Schroman law. That's S C H R O M E N law. Uh, that's my website as well. www.schromanlaw.com. And my direct dial is six, five, one, five, seven, one, two five one five and we'll link this in the show notes as well so um sending out love to all of you out there that are dealing with traumas that are dealing with loved ones passing that are dealing with animals passing we you know we're here for you we see i see you you matter and um until next time get out there and do good with your dog thanks rachel thank you bye everybody bye